All right, welcome to the MindWorks Podcast. Today we're going to talk about Let's Talk Therapy, man to man. Man to man, let's All do it. All right, so the reason why we're bringing up this topic is because there's a lot of important information, I guess, that needs to be shared about the topic of men going to therapy, right? Now, you know, as men, I think we've been conditioned on this idea of being strong and Kind of like, uh, you know, this sort of idea of, uh, I like to say maybe like toxic masculinity. Okay. Being manly. <laughs> being manly. Like, what the hell is even that? What is being manly? Right. Right. So just to provide some data, you know, there was a 2017 meta-analysis that found that actually conforming to this idea of masculine norms can actually put men at higher risk of mental illness. Very interesting study. I mean, um, when you think about that, it's... Uh, it gets kind of deep. I mean, yeah. men, I think I feel like as men, we kind of suffer with a lot of different issues. Right, right, right. And that's that's something we have to cover today. Like what are our topics that we see as therapists and counselors out there uh, when we work with men? Right. Yeah. Like our, I guess we could share some experiences. Like, I guess one question, one thing that kind of always, I guess, as a therapist myself, one thing that kind of makes me feel uncomfortable sometimes, and I don't know why this is. Maybe it's because of my, I guess, masculine bias. But like when I see a man cry in therapy, it's like, different. It hits different. Yeah. <laughs> it's different. It's like, holy shit. I actually hit like some sort of nerve or something. Right. And it's like, uh, but to me, honestly, like it's it's really it's really powerful to see that. Yeah, for you sure. You know what I mean? I, I don't know what it is even, but like, you know, um, I've, I've had, you know, once again, just you guys all know that I've had like multiple clients from multiple ethnicities and differences and things like that but like yeah to see like a, a like a like a a black or latino man crying it takes oof, a lot that hits. i think it, it takes a lot from the client to actually open up that vulnerability and be able to cry in front of the therapist be able to cry in general especially in front of a man therapist right oh i forgot that layer as an extra layer to it like how i, I guess like I'm, I'm like some fucking therapist wizard or some shit that i'm, I'm actually able to like make that happen right but every time I talk with people, you know, I try to get on a deep level yeah. of their problems. And yeah. I think reaching, hitting that deep nerve within people is like, oh, my God, that's like a, a life changer almost. Right. Like, where else is someone supposed to actually, like, hit those deep levels of mm. experiences or, or, or emotions? You know, right. it's like, where else are you going to do that? at? It's like a kind of like a sudden realization. Like, I don't know, something hits at that moment where you're able to just release, you know, because I think as men, we hold on to so much. Right. Yeah. We hold on to so much, especially in our society today and even the history of society, you know, like, um, you know, the leadership roles and all that, like that's that's on a man's backpack. So part of it is holding on to it and not being able to emote and express. So when we see men cry in therapy, um, I think it's a powerful moment. I think it's a necessary moment because it's usually like a backlog of what they've been experiencing for X amount of years or months where they're not able to just let it out. Yeah. And it's, it's pretty, um, yeah, it's really interesting that, you know, uh, to see that happen, like I said before, because it's like a different, I get like a different feeling from that than, than if like a woman were to cry to me in right. therapy or a child or right. even a teenager, you know, like I can understand, like, I think it's because 
us as men, we've been conditioned to have that sort of masculinity. Like we are strong and we are supposed to put up this front Mm -hmm. and growing up as like a, you know, Latino man, like that is always what I think we've been taught to, uh, you know, be is like just strong, no emotion, like just move and live life and stuff like that. But we've never been taught to actually like express those emotions. You know, I think in our, our generation, we weren't like, um, told to, we, we, we weren't taught like, um, what's it called? Uh, in schools, they do that. What is it? Emotional based learning or emotional intelligence, social, emotional learning, SEL. Yeah. SEL social, yeah. emotional learning. We never really uh, experienced that type of education, but I think like now as I work with teachers too, I've noticed that a lot of teachers talk about that within their, um, their meetings and stuff and their professional development, yeah. things like that. Yeah, so that that's actually a, a pretty hot topic, especially now in the last decade or so, social emotional learning in schools. I think there's still a long way to go, but that's definitely a start. When you were talking, I was kind of thinking the word weakness, right? And, you know, I think sometimes crying is you know, synonymous for being weak, and I don't think that's the case. I think that a lot of times part of, like, the statistic we started off with um, is – acting like we're not weak, right? Or uh, presenting like we're not weak, you know, finding something within the lines that we can exert our masculinity to show the world that we're not weak, especially when it comes to man to man. Like we're, when you're yeah. in, in a group of men uh, who are manly, quote unquote, you know, you don't want to be weak in that circle mm. or in that sense. It's interesting. Cause imagine like, yeah, like, um, you know, and it's, it's really interesting because I think even in my experience as a therapist going through this whole career and stuff like that, uh, you know, I think we did it actually when we were interning, I think we did men's groups. We did actually, <laughs> we did, do we, men's we did do men's groups yeah. and within those groups, we talked about various topics mm. related to what it's like being a man and in, in amongst teenagers. Right. Yeah. And, um, I think a lot of, a lot of, one inf- like a lot of good information and facts came out of that um those groups that we ran there um so but, those yeah. just to give you a little context in those groups that was uh high school um 99% black and latinos uh it was a low income you know south bronx uh high school yeah so you know i think part of it was also just starting this sel process with those students yeah. who more than likely have not had that anywhere in their lives, not only in school, at home, uh, definitely not in the streets, but just like kind of figuring out what is this emotion thing, right? And how do we process this? And how do we work through it? And what is the end goal? So we actually had these groups where we started to have those conversations and we started giving the platform uh, to these young men so they can be able to start processing all these emotions and all these conflicts that come with uh being a man, especially being a man in the South Bronx, right? That may look a lot different than being a man in the country area in Arkansas or something, right? Mm -hmm. So, you know, I think uh, with that, you know, it it also ties into other topics or other related uh, things that men come to therapy for. Yeah, like, you know, a lot of the topics that men come to therapy for are very general topics, by the way. Like, you know, like uh, same topics that women would come to therapy for, anyone would come to therapy for, like relationship issues, anger issues, sexual behaviors, you know, um, what else is there? Parental issues, maybe, uh, 
cheating, uh, things like that. You know, these are certain, these are basically very general issues that men face, but the way that they process it is definitely very different than, than obviously than a woman does. And I feel like there's definitely some, um, evidence to that when you actually are in the field working with it. Like for example, you know, I think, uh, I, you know, it is, I think, I think statistically valid to say that, yeah, obviously both men and women are just as angry, mm-hmm. uh, or can be just as angry, but I think the way men, um, uh, manifest their anger is definitely different than a woman, right? Like I think typically it's more likely that a man will act their anger out in frustration, maybe punch a wall or something. Mm-hmm. You know, you don't really see many, uh, women punching walls when they're angry. Yeah. They manifest it differently. But for a man, we sort of more, uh, tend to steer towards sort of like almost like a violent Mm. uh behavior you know and even in suicide like men are like almost four times more likely than women to actually commit suicide in a more violent way like either shooting themselves in the head jumping off of a building or getting or running in front of a car and getting hit by a car you know and and women tend to you know statistically speaking these are facts women tend to take the more um uh, different a different approach, such as maybe uh, overdosing on medication. Less violent. You're gonna say less violent approach. What overdosing on medication? No, like in ter- like the difference between the two, because I, I I hear what you're saying with that. Yeah, like I mean a more like uh like gory approach. Yeah, less gory approach. Like women tend to take a less gory approach. Yeah, yeah, yeah. like a less gory approach or a less uh violent approach. Yeah, yeah. something like that. But I mean, hey, like even overdosing on medication. I mean. Compared to shooting yourself in the head, I think, you know. You know, and I, I feel like this ties into what we start off with, just men crying. Like, I feel like it's more acceptable for women to cry and emote and yell and, mm. and argue and all these things. And I don't know if it's biological as well. Um, but for men, it's not, that's not as acceptable, right? Like, women within their circles, y'all can, like, cry and, like, uh, you know, like, I don't know do it differently than men like we don't cry in our circles you know we we like toughen up you know give you a punch in the arm it's like yo beef up like you good right (laughs) and it's like hold hold it in you know what i'm saying like so i i feel like that's part of it too like we're so conditioned oh yeah yeah, to be to be tough like like tougher or like more uh more violent that's what what i'm saying even in the way we express our angers yeah you know like sometimes we'll, we'll we're more likely to like yell like more loud and vicious like a fucking yeah. lion or some shit rather than right. like you know what i mean it's like like our our, our roars are, are louder and stronger and like even our voices are kind of like deeper and stuff like right. even biologically there's a lot of differences there as yeah. well you know like we have deeper stronger voices our body types right we're more muscular men tend to be more muscular and have more muscle <laughs> you know what i mean like that 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 all entails like this idea already like it's natural for us to almost be uh mm. like like strong you know like we have to be strong and you know i'm not i'm not saying you know once again like there's nothing wrong with being a strong man right like i think uh physically i think you know there's nothing wrong with that there's nothing wrong about having strength within yourself as a man to move forward but a lot of times like emotionally that can be a problem because then you repress a lot of other things and then it becomes more so anger right you know and like uh who wants to really deal deal with an angry man right and like <laughs> like the statistics says, or an angry woman but yeah i mean true like the statistics about conforming so like let's say you you don't 
you don't have that strength. Let's say you're like five for five, you know, as compared to a six for five person, you're, you weigh 150 pounds, you don't have that physical strength. Mm-hmm. You know, you're going to have to find other ways to kind of conform to it. Mm-hmm. Um, while you were, while you were mentioning that, I, I was also thinking like, so what, what happens when you don't, you know, uh, more so like when you don't have that perceived masculinity, we don't have that physical looking strength. Right, like where, how, wh- what's that, real masculinity? It, well, exactly, that's the problem, right? <laughs> like, if you don't have that masculinity, how far can you get as a as a heterosexual male, or yeah. even as a gay male? I think right. even gay guys like more like buffed up guys, yeah. like it's more attractive, right? right? So when you lack that attraction, that's that becomes a problem, right? Mm. And I think it's also the same thing for women too. You know, like even if a woman is like you know not as you know physically fit or attract, you know it. it, it you know, kind of like diminishes their attraction, kind of. Yeah. Same thing for men, but I think the difference there is that, like, I think, uh, you know, yeah, man has to sort of display that. If not, they're gonna probably lack self-esteem. Mm-hmm. And how does that translate in a man to lack self-esteem? Like, right. You know, what is that? What is that? What does that look like? <laughs> how does it affect a man's ego? Yeah. How does it affect his pride? Right. I think men, by nature, are very competitive. That's why we see all these sports. We see all these boxing, you know, it's kind of like who's on top, who's number one, who's head honcho. And nowadays mm. there's like this big discussions and all this BS online about alpha male. That's a big topic. Mm. We all want to be alpha males, alpha male, alpha male this. And I think it's complete BS, honestly, this whole alpha theories and themes. It is BS, but unfortunately I feel like I'm, I'm falling victim to that. Really? Kind of. How like, so? Because like sometimes I feel like, yeah, like I, like I want to be like, the the head of the household i want to be like when i go to the gym i want to like lift more than my friend i'm like mm. you know i'm like competitive you know like i want to make more money than my friends or whatever i want to be more successful i think that kind of like drives us to some extent but i think it's important to be mindful like not to make that be the end all be all for your success or mm. for your happiness so yeah like when i had to process all that in my own therapy it was like you know i had to question myself like why the hell am i like always concerned about, you know, uh, having the most, having the most hoes or having the most money or having the most success. Like what, why is that happening? You know? And I feel like it has a lot to do with, um, like, I think like the societal factors of the conditionings that I've, that I've been through, you know what I mean? Like growing up, it's like, you always watch like, well, I always watch like these videos, you know, like I grew up big on the hip hop scene. So like in the hip hop scene, it's always emphasized that the man has to have like the most hoes or the most uh, money, be the flashiest and things like that. And, you know, through therapy, I actually started to recognize that, like, maybe that's not who I really actually am. You know, that was just a product of my conditions. And like as a man, it's like something that's like, I guess, valuable to recognize and important to recognize and sort of like um, be more self-aware of that, because then it kind of like made me value other things through that self-awareness. Like, you know, what about just being a family man and like, you know, being more aligned with the people around me that love me and what's going on in my actual circle of things rather than all this like ideas of flashiness and having like, you know, all this stuff and things like that, you know? So it was, it's like an interesting process, things that you learn through therapy, through that self-awareness as a man that like, I guess makes you better of a man, I guess, kind of in a way. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. And when you were saying that, I guess I'm thinking of like finding purpose and meaning. Right. So purpose, you know, growing up is always, you know, be on top, be the top dog, be quote unquote alpha, um, not be weak. 
and then going through therapy and kind of processing things and finding your level of self-awareness and really honing in on what is purpose. And I'm super glad that you mentioned family, right? Because I feel like in the manosphere now, especially on social media, y'all know I always go back to social media. (laughs) You said said manosphere? The manosphere. Yeah, that's what they call it. (laughs) So, you know, in in this realm where a lot of young men are going to for advice and guidance from YouTubers and influencers, you know, I find that family orientation is not really talked about enough. Like, I feel like being a family man, being a dad, being a husband, uh, being a man of the household is not spoken about enough, right? It's, there's always this kind of connotation that goes back to what you were saying before. of like getting money, having jewelry, having women, having status, having uh, uh, accolades or being number one. And it's like, hey, you got to be number one for your family. Yeah, and that's it's like crazy because like I you know once again it's crazy how much of an impact society has on us as men, right? Like it it basically almost feels like it's it controls us, mm. you know? Like the fact that like we grew up looking at like you know or like acknowledging the fact that the man that has the most women in their lives is like the coolest man, right? Like what the fuck? <laughs> like, right. like that's crazy. Like why is that? Why is it? And you know it's funny because it goes back to like the saying that I heard, and I think you're probably familiar with it. Or people are probably familiar with it. It's like this one guy asks his master, right? Or, or no, this one lady asks this master. She's like, master, like um, you know, like and it's like a karate thing, or whatever. But she's like, master, yeah. why is it that like when a man has many women, he's considered like a king or a master, okay. but when a woman has many men, she's considered like a slut or like yeah. nothing important. Right. So then the master tells her, listen, a key that can open any lock is a master key. Okay. A lock that can be opened by any key is useless. Oh, wow. I guess that's the way of seeing it. That's <laughs> like, the way of seeing it. But like, it's just like a, you know, it's like a, it's like a funny interpretation yeah. of all that. You know what right. I mean? Because it's like, yeah, like why is it that we view it that way? Why yeah. is it that we see that? Okay, the man that can open any 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 legs is like mm, the man, right? right? Like this guy is handsome, pretty, whatever, beautiful, muscular, whatever the case may be, and he could get any girl, right? Like why is it that we l- kind of like as men look up to that? Mm. Right. That's like, uh, I think it comes down to like power. Mm. Right. And, you know, a man's search for power and meaning and purpose. I think those things are very aligned because, you know, I think a man who does not have purpose or, you know, just seeks pleasure. That's a big thing that I'm like stuck on a lot. Like living a life of debauchery. Yeah. Like kind of like just party. Stimulants. Stimulants. Party. Party. Sex. Drugs. Woman. Sex. Right. You know. All that debauchery stuff, right? Excitement. Yeah. You know, especially now in social media. I'm going to bring it back again, right? Like where we have in our fingertips, we have a, a shots of dopamine that goes straight into our system. Whenever we feel bored or dull or sad, you know, we're ready to juice ourselves up. And what are we watching on social media? So like we didn't, we grew up probably like MySpace, you know, it was different. Like, yo, go shout, back to Zanga. Yo, shout out you to had, MySpace. You ever had Zanga, though? Zanga, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? It was old school stuff. And it was like, we need, we didn't have, like, the smartphones and all that. Mm-hmm. And now it's like that what you spoke about before of what society is telling men to do or be like is 
immediate. It's it's instant. It's right on the, your fingertip. You look at your phone, it turns on, and boom, Instagram is right there in your face telling you that, you know, you this got man. ass and titties shaking up in the... In the right, <laughs> and, and, and the guy with a million followers and 100,000 likes, he is better than the guy who doesn't have any followers and no likes. Right. So it's a it's a, so it's a it's a it's an issue of status, I guess, for a man, right? Like we kind of want that status, I guess. Like yeah. we want to be more, like I guess you said, like what you said, powerful. Or maybe it makes a man feel powerful. Right. But then the question is, is like, is that all an illusion? Mm, right. Yeah. Well, yeah. I mean, and I think that part of going through the the therapeutic process as a man, um, and really having these questions in your face that you have to answer. I think that's like the beauty of therapy, right? Like you just I, have to get, get I think questioned. What, I think what therapy kind of helps does is it helps you look past that illusion kind of, mm. and like see things for what they actually are like in right. within your environment. Like I said, like the things that are in your proximity, the things that are important, more important that can benefit you and your feelings of happiness and stuff like that. And I'm not saying like, you know, uh, that, you know, materialistic things don't, I, I, I personally believe materialistic things, uh, typically, uh, can make someone happy. Yeah. Like, I don't know, like I, I, I get happy when I, when I buy something that I wanted right. and stuff like that. Like I get a little sense of happiness from that. I mean, sure. but, but like, you know, that's, that's, that's me personally as an individual, right? Mm. Like, I mean, uh, you know, retail therapy isn't, is a thing. I mean, it does <laughs> kind of make people feel a little happier about themselves whenever they are down. They'll be like, Hey, you know what? Let me just go shopping. Maybe that'll make me feel better. And it kind of does. It feels good to have new things, but I'm not saying that that's everything that we should base all our happiness on okay you know what i mean like we shouldn't base our happiness on materialistic things yeah. but it's just like something that you know like for some people like i'm not gonna lie like myself i like materialistic things right and i figured that out on my own in therapy like i am i am happy to buy a porsche yeah i am happy to buy you know this gold chain or like a nice pair of sunglasses that, that's what makes me happy mm. you know but do i do it as a symbol of power no, I do it because it ultimately makes just me feel happy within my own self. Yeah. You know, I'm not doing this to try to please anyone else but myself. Could you be happy without the Porsche and without the chain? Uh, yeah, but I mean, hey, like, you know what I mean? <laughs> like, I, like when I'm driving that Porsche, I'm fucking happy. <laughs> <laughs> I guess so. <laughs> When uh, I throw on that new uh, shirt that I bought for like a hundred dollars, like I'm fucking happy. Cactus Jack shirt, you yeah, know? you know what I mean. Like I'm fucking with happy. The with the Yeezys boots, and you know, shit. with the Yeezy boots and shit. Like I'm, I'm, I'm happy. You know what I mean? Like, like that's just me though. Like you know that that's what things that make me happy personally. And I'm not doing it to like try to impress anyone else. I'm doing it for my own, my own happiness and my mm. own. You know what I mean? That's what I found through therapy. Other things. What is it that makes me happy? You know what I mean? Regardless of what society tells me to make myself happy. Yeah. Maybe maybe the materialistic thing is a part of the society. You can't you can't let that go. You can't deny that. Right. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, if Porsches weren't around, would I still be happy? Yeah, probably. But there would be probably like if we were back in like the the 1400s and I wanted like the black horse instead of the white horse yeah. and I got the black horse, I'd probably be more happy because that's what I wanted. Yeah. So, I, I mean, <laughs> yeah, I completely agree. And I and I see your point. Um, yeah. I guess my my thing is too like you're not the only one who that kind of stuff makes them happy as well right and but what happens to the men who don't have the means to buy the porsche to buy the yeezys to buy the shirt right like then they seem sort of deprived of what they're seeing 
you know, they see their 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 therapist out here balling <laughs> and cruising next to them. Meanwhile, you know, they're going to work at five in the morning trying to make ends meet. Right. But, that, but that's the thing. Like, you know, I think it's a, it's not even about like the materialistic stuff that that, you know, makes me happy. Also, like I find joy in the work that I do as a therapist. OK, like I, I, I love what I do. And it goes back to Freud's quote. You know, Freud even said, you know, the um, the cornerstone of our humanness is through love and work. Mm-hmm. And like, you know, I've always taken that to heart because like, yeah, it makes a lot of sense. Like if you go to work every day miserable, then I think it's important to take that personal responsibility to make that change and maybe go to another job where you'll probably be more happy. Okay. But like if you're stuck at the same job that's constantly making you unhappy, then why are you doing that? Mm-hmm. You know, and I know it's probably because you don't have the ends to do it, but I feel like any everyone can find the opportunity somehow, some way. Yeah. You know, you just have to like put in that work kind of, you have to work for that. Like it wasn't easy for me to go through freaking six, seven years of school just to get a master's degree in doing mental health counseling. True. You know, that was a journey I had to take to get here now and helping people. True. You know, and that, that gave me meaning. That's my meaning. And growing up once again, yeah, like all this materialistic stuff, I didn't have all the stuff growing up that I have now. And now it's like, maybe I'm just splurging on my childhood. Maybe I'm just like, you know, maybe cause I didn't have all this stuff when I was a kid and I saw all the other kids having like the, the newest Jordans or the newest clothes. Now I'm able to do that. And it right. now I, now I'm doing that and I have that. Right. And right. it makes me happy. And the reason I ask is because I think that part of it also is young men and just men in general kind of wanting that and wanting meaning and, you know, wanting purpose in their life when they wake up and when they go to sleep, uh, but struggling. Right. And I think that's part of therapy as well. And, you know, my thing, finding your own meaning. My thing always what I challenge people is, you know, I I do a simple analogy of Coca-Cola. Right. Mm -hmm. So if you drink Coca-Cola, it tastes good you know, the sub, the sugar, whatever. And now you know what Coca-Cola tastes like. So the next time you're around or you want a stimulant of that source, you want a Coca-Cola, right? How about the person who's never had the Coca-Cola, right? So they're not going to have that sort of desire to fulfill, you know, that need or that want, right? So who's better off? The person who never had Coca-Cola and, they don't even care about it because they don't know what it is or the person who's tried the Coca-Cola, but now let's say they can't, the Coca-Cola goes to hundred a can and now they can't afford it. Right. Who's better off in sort of their mental health and wellness? That's a good question. Who is better off the person with the least or the person with more? I think it's much more like the person who wants more and the person who's kind of content because they don't know what more looks like. But that I think it, that's a great analogy, and I think that's aw- an awesome thing to discuss. I think that's like what I always find working with people of that becomes like a presenting issue, kind of, or, or like you know, it's like I always think like when when I see an individual who's just satisfied with the bare minimum, mm-hmm. I have respect for that individual. Yeah. But to me, because I'm not usually typically okay with just the bare minimum, I always I'm on this thing where I want more. It gives, for some reason, I just feel like for myself, it just gives me more purpose as an extrovert. You know, like once again, I'm an extroverted individual, you know, so I'm, I'm going to want more like within my personality. I'm just very like, you know, go, 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 you know, and I, you know, and that's separate from the masculinity stuff. I feel like kind of like, it's not because of this issue of masculinity. I think it's just more of a personality thing. Gotcha. And I, I feel like that. I feel like that um, that drive, like that competitive nature is something that I like 
you know, wanting more me personally, I, that's something that I've, I've processed with and learned in therapy that that's just how I naturally am. Because then as I dove into my childhood, I remember back in like second grade, we had like this uh, thing where we had to like do the do read a book and then do a book report. And then the teacher had this star chart. So every book report that you did, you'd get a star. And as a child, there's like I kept. I kept doing it because I wanted to have the most stars. Mm. So I was always basically competitive. And I remember like, like my star, my star chart was like, I had all the stars and that shit made me happy as fuck as like a, as like a second grader, you know? So I feel like my competitive drive comes from, it's just a natural thing. I don't think it has to do with like, you know, being conditioned by the environment. I think it's just naturally within my own self as an individual. Got you. But yeah, some people can definitely be conditioned by that within their environment or whatever the case may be. Got but you. once again, I grew up with three brothers. So I was probably mm -hmm. like competitive in nature, trying to get our mother's love or whatever, or some shit like that. You know? So, I mean, you can look at it in many ways, but yeah, that's what it is, man. Trying to be number one, trying to have it all power. I don't know. I just keep going back to power, having power. this kind of like accumulation of resources and stuff. And I think that's more like a biologically, like men, we are protectors and providers. We want to be able to, to have the power to protect from harm and other, other men and also mm. be able to provide enough resources mm. and means um, for our families, essentially. Yeah. I guess like, if you look at it, like from an evolutionary perspective, right. it's kind of like, yeah, we were like the hunters, right? We were like the ones that had to go out and get the meat. And I'm pretty sure within that, uh, I forgot there was like a, a, a movie like where they showed that I forgot it was like one of those movies that showed like back in the day or whatever like like the greatest hunter was like the strongest one out of the tribe and gotcha. was yeah. like the biggest and like alpha the alpha male yeah exactly so that's probably where it comes from and now look at us today right still right. carrying that shit on evolutionary is cra evolution's crazy man right but talking about that idea of power you know one thing that kind of interests me is like the idea of also that idea of power connected with the idea of hypersexuality. Right. Because if you have all that power in the tribe back in the day, I'm wondering if that person with the most power, the greatest hunter, got all the women. Right. I think so. I, th I think it would work like that. I mean, they got everything they wanted because they had the most power. Right. Like they everyone was kind of intimidated and scared for their life. Um, so even in the animal kingdom. Yeah. Like lions are going to fight each other for the for the for the herd. It happens. The, yeah, it happens. Lions do fight each other for the females. And so it happens. Um, but how, how do you think that extends now in our current day, in our modern day, men and sexuality and in therapy? Well, in my, I guess, clinical experience, like a lot of when I when I work with a man who has hypersexual issues, it's typically along the lines of issues with cheating and being polygamous or whatever the case may be. Okay. But like typically cheating, I, I, you know, like um, working with those individuals that cheat as we dive into why they do it, like, what is the reason why this is happening? Why are you experiencing these sort of behaviors? A lot of the conversation tends to to go towards, like, a cultural thing or, like, an environmental thing, kind of. Like, you know, growing up, I was always raised, like, either I saw my dad cheat on my mom or my dad was never in the picture, so my mom was always dating these, these men. Um, what else was there? There's like uh, cultural factors, like in certain cultures, especially probably like more Caribbean cultures. I, I've yeah. noticed is like they tend to, you know, the man that gets the most woman is the man. I, yeah, is the man. The one that doesn't is like a loser, mm. you know, so like to put that and instill that like those are societal conditions that yeah. I think create this problem of men cheating. Right. And I think we're kind of we kind of got a taste of that in the hip hop culture, like in the hip hop culture, you know, you 
have like all the jewelry, the women, like I mentioned before in the beginning. So it's kind of like we're kind of conditioned through that hip hop culture as well to like want more women or want more too. Yeah. You know? Or have multiple women or have multiple options. Yeah. Have multiple uh, means. I don't know. I guess. And, you know, I think hypersexuality also plays a big role in mental health because that the sexual drive, the sexual urge is our strongest emotion as men. So how are we able to kind of transmute that? How are we able to um, gear that towards other things? So I'm a big fan of Think and Grow Rich by Napoleon Hill. And one whole chapter is on, you know, sexual transmutation. And he talks mm-hmm. that about like sex is the biggest stimulant our, of our emotions, our, our hormones, all, everything, you know, our drive comes from that sexual urge. Right. So definitely, you know, therapy. Um, and kind of figuring out, you know, how that is affecting you in your life. Like, are you even able to express that physically, right? Are there other ways to express that sexual urge that are not physical, right? Because if you don't, if you're not, let's say the alpha guy, or you're not, you don't have all these resources or you, you, you're not attractive, you can't, you know, have these multiple women. So what do you do with that sexual urge, right? Do you just beat it and go to sleep? Beat it, <laughs> <laughs> beat it to death, and, and go to sleep. Beat it to death. You know that could be that. That comes with sexual frustration as yeah, well, yeah, right? Yeah, sexual frustration, and also yeah. like you know the the access to pornography and oh, how that affects mental health, right? That that's thing. a whole conversation oh, in itself, right? Yeah, like I, I mean, like I've had clients that had like you know pornographic issues where like you know they would do it in the bathroom at work. Wow. And when I heard that, I was like, damn, that, that, that does become an issue because yeah. now you're not focusing on what you're supposed to be doing. You're going right. to the bathroom, beating it off and, you know, like rubbing one out. You know what right. I mean? And like, that's not like, you know, that's unhealthy, you know, and that's what we have to identify. And this, again, this modern day social media thing is like it puts it out there for you. It puts all these Instagram vixens out there for you to like arouse you and, and, and get you hype. And, and OnlyFans is like a, a trillion dollar company that's you know, the big thing now where, you know, men are just kind of conforming to that, like that illusion, that whatever, I don't even know how to, how to word it. Like, it's just, um, it's not real and it's not you know, helping men's mental health. It's not helping them kind of move forward and, and get the real thing and get real purpose, mm-hmm. not just uh, a physical expression of sex. Right. Because there's again, I'm a big fan of sexual transmutation of where you kind of take that energy, you hone it in and then you gear it towards your purpose. You gear it towards your finances, your family, your faith, whatever the case is, like you're taking that emotion and you're kind of moving it towards something that's going to be healthier in a way than just, um, you know, only fans. Or, or other things, right? Like, they, hey, they prostitutions and all, back page and all these things yeah. that are so easily available now in these days, um, you know. And I, and I think that's also part of why they're saying that men are a lot unhappier these days as well. Yeah, because, like, you know, when, when a man e- ejaculates, they, they get rid of that energy that helps them approach a woman, you know, it kind of makes them, it, it, it releases that energy that they can use that, that helps them sort of get the the umph to go and talk to a woman at least. Wow, that's a whole other, that's a whole other podcast because I, yeah. I, you know, I think that that's, that's a fact. Yeah. I, it's like, you know, when you get a dog and you neuter the dog, 
you know, part of it is because so it don't, yeah, it doesn't get all hype and and it just becomes docile. It becomes a cow. You you neuter a bull, it becomes a cow. Hmm. Right. So I think that part of it also is, you know, uh, the mental, you know, know, cutting off that that circuit, which is which is giving men purpose, is giving men drive, is giving men the energy to go out and take risk and and, you know, do more. I don't know. I don't want to say manly thing, but like be driven. Yeah. Driven. Yeah, exactly. You know, and that's, that's a big one. You know, I think, um, yeah, a lot of times, uh, a man, when they do, when they do that, like I said, it, it depletes them of that energy and it doesn't allow them to go ahead and do that. And I've noticed that because of the clients that I work with that have these pornographic addictions, they tend to seem like more lonely within their Mm. actual lives. Like they, like, I, I even have like men that come to me who are virgins at the age of like 20, 21, even like 24. And they're engaging in these pornographic addictions or they have these pornographic addictions. And it's like, you wonder why they're struggling trying to get an actual real uh, woman, you know, and it's unfortunate. And I feel, you know, I feel like, you know, a lot of, you know, sympathy for that because it's, it's, it's tough, you know, to, for, for him to fight off that addiction yeah. and then go ahead and try to, you know, better themselves in certain ways that society deems as like, this is what women are attracted to. Yeah. And it's funny because like, I ask like these men, like, you know, what do you, what do you think you have to change about yourself Mm. in order to get more women? Mm -hmm. Right. And a lot of times it's like, I have to dress, I have to, I have to uh, work on my physical health. I have to work on my, uh, you know, my personality maybe, and also my financial stuff and i'm like damn so this is like what society is programming these men to think that they need in order to get women but it's interesting because that's that holds some some truth right sure i mean it sounds like it holds some sort of truth i mean yeah like if you don't have i guess like the physical attractiveness like if you're just like maybe like overweight mm-hmm. it's gonna you know make it harder for you to get a, a, a woman sure if you don't have money that's definitely something a woman is gonna not want to gravitate towards and if you don't have like a certain type of personality it's just going to make it harder for that man to to gain access to that yeah meaningfulness so, so again I, you know i think this this these conversations just like touching topics touching points and i feel like we like kind of unravel so many aspects of men and mental health and you know that conversation but you know in later podcasts we're we're gonna delve a little bit deeper into it yeah yeah, we'll definitely dive more deep into these conversations, into these issues, and we'll definitely talk more about this. As for now, we're going to have to end it here. But, um, you know, we'll definitely talk more about these issues in later episodes. But this is what it is. You know, uh, <laughs> men and mental health, man to man. So let's talk therapy, man it, to man. It cut. Uh, no, it cut. No, end it here, and then cut it there. Uh,